podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The official Brighton and Hove Albion podcast. My usual co-host, Mr. Hayward, thinks I'm ready to fly solo here on the podcast. He's given me the green light. What can go wrong? I'm Glenn Murray. My guest today is nothing short of Brighton and Hove Albion royalty. Someone who has seen the club from many different angles, spanning a number of eras. He definitely knows a player when he sees one, having played a helping hand in many academy graduates' careers. He's what I would call a proper football man, and he comes from an in-vogue football family. Welcome to Martin Hinchelwood. Hi, Glenn. Thanks very much indeed. That nice uh, few words from you. It's very right. kind of you. That's high praise, isn't it? It is indeed, from you. <laughs> <laughs> right, let's get into it. So, just mentioned the family there. I make it seven professionals, is that right? Sorry, how many? Seven. Five. Five? Mm-hmm. Go on then, run me through it. Well, it was me dad, was a, a pro in the 50s and 60s. Then me and my brother were at Palace together. Yeah. Can I mention that name? You can to me. That's all right. <laughs> yeah, because we're all right. You're all right. Yeah. <laughs> and then... Um, my son Danny and Paul's son Adam played, and now Jack's got into the side as well. So it's four generations and, and five Hinshawoods. Six. Six? Six, I make that. One, two, three. Six. Is it six? Just, I think you just mentioned that. Did I? Yeah. Should, yeah, I should have mentioned. Yeah, it was six. Yeah. I forgot my dad. Sorry, mate. <laughs> <laughs> he's up there having a cigar at the moment, going, well done, Jack. <laughs> I bet he's having a cigar well, with what's happened, huh? Yeah. I mean, it is incredible. Amazing. Yeah. You know, as a kid that, um, you always hope that your kids are going to make it. And you try and bring them up in that environment, which all the Hinchwoods have been. doesn't mean they're going to be players, but it gives them a great start and chance to, to become one and earn a living in the game. Right, I'm just going to go on to you, Inch. We'll come back to, to the family a little bit later. But um, I suppose looking back over, over time, you know the club as well as anyone. You've had a number of roles Youth coach, director of the youth, interim manager on two occasions, the manager of the football club, the director of football, a scout at the club. Talk, yeah. talk me through that list. No, I, I just, I'm just pleased to be here. Um, you know, it goes back to the first time I came here in, in '87 with Barry Lloyd, and I was first team coach and just got relegated, and uh, he brought in about 13 new players that season, and we got promotion straight back to the, the old Div One. And then 91 got into the, the playoffs with a minus goal difference. <laughs> How we did that, I do not know. Um, but we did, and they were good times as well. But then the club was in a position then when we had Mike Small, John Byrne, who were our leading, you know, score goals for fun. We ended up having to sell them because of finance. And unfortunately, a few years later, it started to go downhill. And um, they changed the staff and that and left and then. I was away for four years and then 98 came back with Brian Horton. So, so I'll just stop you at that point. So at that low point when you had to leave the club and finance it, could you ever have imagined that it would become what it has today? No. Nah. Not even when I first came back in 98. No, no way at all. You know, there was Bill Archer and I can remember I applied for the manager's job after Barry Lloyd got the sack and uh, didn't get it. And I took the side we played at um, Hartlepool. Ended up drawing 2-2 two, two and Liam Brady came in. And for a year, we hadn't been paid. A That's year? A year, we hadn't been paid to coaching staff. And that, and um, there was a gentleman there called Fred who did the lottery. And every Friday, he'd come along 
And me and Larry May would grab hold of him and say, you got any cash, Fred? <laughs> he used to give us some money and that to, to help us through. And so then, were you not protected in any way from the PFA no, or anything? No, not. So you literally the went players to were, The players were getting some, um, but not every week, but the staff and that were, you know, we had to grab, we had to hijack him as he came in the door. So what, what kept you coming back? If you weren't getting paid, what kept you coming love back? Of, love of the game. Just love football. And it was a club where I enjoyed being at and the players there, the characters at the football club at the time, you know, that were, Older players, but had a great attitude. Clive Walker, Gary Chivers, Perry Digweed, you know, Dean Wilkins. They were good players, good lads to have around. It was great to go in every day. They made it happen. Good people. Yeah. Couldn't play, but they were good people. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it was, they were good people. And I can remember the first time it got back on track, we got paid on time for over a year. I got called in and got a sack. <laughs> no, you didn't. Did Liam? Liam put his own staff in. He brought Jay Ryan in. God rest his soul, just passed away. But that's that's football. That's the nature of the beast, isn't it? You get up and you go again. But uh, it was weird. It was like and I had to. I got to say, I did have the ump a little while after that. I can accept getting sacked because new managers come in and bring their staff, and I understand that. I'm not, you know, I'm old enough to understand that. But it was just the way it was done at that time, where you were. Bend over backwards to help the club more than anything. And then it was just like slapping the face. So ended up in tribunal. <laughs> but you still came back. I came back again. I'm back now for the third time. It must just be in the blood. I love it. You know, it's, it's a good football club. And there's, good, there's always been good people at the football club. At you the know. heart of it. Yeah, in those days it was Ron Pavey, Sally Townsend, people like that. And when I came back in 98, you had Derek, all bloody hell. <laughs> you know, we can't forget Derek. No, but there was good people around the club, and they loved the club. And it was a football club; they were football people. Yeah, I've been to other clubs now that people work at clubs, and five o'clock they all go home. Here, the people were at six, seven o'clock. You know, Paul Rogers, people like that, trying to get finances in into the club. We well, don't knock off, do you? No, it's, you it's, don't. It's, it's full time, isn't yes, it? It's, it's seven days a week. My missus said to me one day, she said, she "said if it was eight days a week." 24 hours, you still wouldn't have a deal, would you? I mean, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, there's always something to do, you know, and... Uh, Especially back in the day. Yeah, and when I came back in 98 with Dean, was youth team coach, it was only me and him looking after the whole, we had a couple of part-time lads. But you had to be out every day to get boys in. So I joined just after that generation. Yeah. Dean was actually the first team manager at the time. And I don't think there's probably been a football league club with as many local lads in that first team is what I walked into. I think there was about 12, 13 Brighton boys yeah. in the first team in League One when I walked in, and I thought that was so, so unusual. You have a dream, don't you, when you go in? And Dean was his first coaching job backups in, in, in the since he packed up. And we just sat down and said, look, it's going to take us five years to get things. But wouldn't it be great to have a team full of local lads? And I think one game, Bristol City, we had seven on the pitch at the end of it. Go on then, who? Oh, shut up. Come on. <laughs> uh, no, t- Tommy Elphick. Yeah, but it was... Tommy a, Fraser. Yeah, uh, Scott Chamberlain came on sub to make it seven. Yeah. Um, um, Jake Robinson. Jake Coxie. Coxie. Um, Joe Lynch. Joel would have been Sam around. Um, Joel would have played. Because Joel, we had a youth cup game, it got pulled out because he was in the England squad in a in big cup game years and that. But they were, good, they were good kids. They wanted to be here. You know, I know it was... 
the situation was totally different. We were a club that had no finances. Yeah. So if they could, if they had, a, if they had a bit of ability, they were going to be given a chance. And we also said as well that we need to coach players or get players not for this level division, the next level, because we want the first team to go up. So they've got better cut the next level, and that. And uh, but the kids were really enthusiastic. It was great. You know, they, they were good kids. That particular era must be one that yeah. you're really proud of. Her. Well, but the thing where finance, again it comes to finances, and to be fair, the Dick one year I took twelve scholars. And that year, it went for three, it was under 1917, then they scrapped it. But we had 20 scholars one year, which was unheard of. But out of those 12, we took nine signed pro and eight played in the first team. So you, when you take the scholars on, do you believe that every single one of them can make that step up? Yeah, because I wouldn't sign them otherwise. I'm not going to waste two years of their life thinking, well, they've got a chance and they might make it. You because in all fairness, some clubs will use people just to fill the numbers at one. I appreciate they? that, yeah. But it's all about opinions, isn't it? I, the game has changed so much from then. Perhaps then I would have done that. But then you, you take a boy because you felt he, he's earned the right to be a scholar. You feel he's got enough in him, if he works hard in those two years, to push on to the, the next level, to become a pro, and then hopefully get into the first team. I'm not going to say to the kid, oh, you're all right, come, you know, and then two years later, I'm saying bye. When I knew that two years before that. So when you were picking those kids, what was the balance between talent and attitude? For me, it was probably attitude was first. Attitude tipped balance. Yeah, uh, tipped for me, talent. Sorry, Dean was probably everybody where he liked to do little tricks when he Dean Milk. Yeah, you know. But we used to sit down at the end of the season, and it was Dean me. The coach that took that age group, it wasn't just our decision. It was everybody's. It was times when I went, he's not for me. I wouldn't take him. And the others would say, yes. Right, we'll take him. I wouldn't say, no, I'm the, I've got the final say. I'm, yeah. it, it was a team decision as well on a lot of the boys. And some, unfortunately, fell away wayside after two years. Some that you didn't probably expect pushed on even more. Who have you been more sp- surprised by? People ask me who's, who's the best that we've had. Well, I, th- I think you know. I can guess that, can I? No, you won't. Will I not? No. So it's not, not, not our England international. Which one? <laughs> <laughs> Lewis. Lewis. No, because I just felt from day one he, he had it. Could you tell? Not say what level he was going to play at, but he was going to live in at the game. And I'll tell you a little story about that in a minute. But, but, but the one I, I felt from day one, he walked in the door, he was an under 14. Was Can I have another guess? Go on in. Dean Hammond. No. Another story about Dean Hammond. <laughs> in a when he, or could have gone to Dean, he had done his scholar two years. They weren't going to take him. They were going to let him go. Who's and, they? I was trying name, to think of the Name the names. <laughs> no, it's, it's a long time ago now, I'm not old. But they, they didn't think he had it in him. And we persu- persuaded him to give him six months. Yeah. Um... It was also a thing where if I felt that there was something there, I would then make sure that we kept him and I could get him out on loan. So we weren't paying the wages to a degree. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because that was always the thing. So they were developing. Finances. And I gave him a six months contract. And in that six months, he just went boom. What? In physicality, stature? Everything. Yeah. Because those days then, we only offered a two-year scholarship. That was it. Nothing more. 
and finances, you know, we tell we, I used to like to think if I took eight scholars, I'd sign get four pros at the end of that two years. And then hopefully a couple more the following year and go on. But with Dean, there was something there, but he it hadn't come out yet. And we managed to get him six months. Well, that was it then, wasn't it? He just blossomed, pushed on, and ended up winning a Premier League medal. You know, but that's the things where again it's all about opinions. And we managed to persuade the club to take him for that six months, and you know, that was that. Tell, tell me the one that I didn't get then. Jake Forstakowski. Still playing in the game. Yeah, but the thing with Jake, and actually, he he comes as an under fourteen, but he's just walked in, and it, you know, you look at players, he looked the part, he plays in that, and he's from football background as well, isn't football he? Background with his, his dad and his, his stepdad, but. It just made you step, step, go, wow. I remember going to, we played at Colchester and he kind of went, whoa, you know, and we we put him on a two year then. To, to, yeah, he, to he had a lot of style about his game, yeah. didn't he? And he was, le- it's weird because he's left footy, but that's, they do stand out. It's always a little bit easier on yeah. the eye, isn't it? <laughs> they are a little bit. But people go, sure. But he was just one that, you know, I really, I would always come first. So, Going back to that list that we said that you've you've occupied in the club. Yeah, but it wasn't me. Or the, the list no, of no, jobs. No, no, just, just yeah. your, your list of jobs. What I suppose, what have you taken the most out of and which one have you most enjoyed? I enjoy coaching. Is that the pack up at 25? As, as in first team? Any level. I still do a bit now, but I was 25 and at the pack up. And that was that. No, nobody, I didn't have any help, mental health or things like that. It was just like... You're finished. Why? Because of a knee injury, which now we'd probably be better to deal with. And I was at Palace and they had a contract in the season and I helped scouting a little bit then. And in the season, they were looking for a youth team coach and Terry Venables was the manager. And he gave me the opportunity to get into coaching then at 26. So as somebody that's seen it from both sides, playing and managing, which one have you enjoyed the most? I'd go back and play now. And if I had to pack up in eight years' time because of an injury, I'd do it. Just love playing. Playing? You can't be playing football, can you? Well, I don't know about you because you were a little bit sometimes. It got, <laughs> got a bit cold. You didn't want to go out in the train, did you? Hey, you've got your gloves. You've got your gloves, Ken. <laughs> so just hit me under armour. What was that under armour? I haven't got a clue. Um, uh, but, but, you know, it was just a, a, that, that, that was, I really loved football and, and really loved playing. But then I got an opportunity to do what's the next best thing? Coaching. And when I came to back to Brighton, I shot with Brian Horton. I had an interview with him. And I said, he said, I want you to be head of youth. I went, well, I'd rather be a bit of coaching. He went, you're too old. I said, cheers, Nobby. Um, and that's when he got Dean in and we, we just, you know, put our heads down and, and worked from there. So have you have you taken sort of this, I suppose, um a special pride in bringing players through and, and watching them progress yeah. their careers, even if it's not under your guidance and it's not the football club. Like you say, Dean went on to win the Premier yeah. League. Like what, watching lads throughout the football oh, league that is, you've yeah. had a part to play in. Yeah. You, you were part of their, their growing up. And as I say, it just wasn't me. It was all the, the coaches. I coaches on like peanuts, you know. I was 24 scouts who got nothing working in Sussex and that. And then the season, I had to go and see Ken and you got any, or Jock was there and got his subs coats. 
and give them to the coach. And they got nothing? They got nothing. Like literally nothing? No. I think they're nothing like very little. No. I took them out at Christmas time. It was all right. Well, they definitely got nothing then. And then we at the end of the season. But no, it, they just were Sussex people. And just to be associated with the club. Yes, it's nice to be associated. They've still got to have a little bit about them, what they can do. And Mark Hendon got a crew going for me and they didn't, they didn't get anything. So you talk about playing a part and I suppose it's that that DNA so early on. Yeah. And, and Lewis Dunk, captain at the minute, is... Um, He's someone that's lauded you for, for playing a massive part in his career. And one thing that he did say is about getting him to play out from the back, which has aged really well, hasn't it? Yeah. Because it's become more and more imperative for a centre-half to yeah. do it now in the modern-day game. Yeah, you know, Lewis, we've known Lewis from is he at really young age. And, you know, everybody knows the story that he was at Wimbledon and then they went to MK Dons and he got released. Um, couldn't, couldn't travel an hour and a half. No, they weren't allowed to. They kept the under-14s upwards there, but nobody else was allowed to go. There was other clubs still keen on him, but we managed to persuade him and his dad that this is the club to be at. He, in those days then, they played... Do you think, but, do you think that was the right decision? <laughs> With hindsight? Oh, no, let me just think about that. <laughs> Possibly, yeah. You know, he's, a, he's a legend here and, and you know, he's, he's a great kid as well. He hasn't changed, you know. Um, and I can remember a story of him when Steve Brown came as youth team coach and he said, which one's to watch? I said, well, he's the one. This and, big skinny one at centre Yeah, him. Yeah. And all right. And he was injured, been out about four or five weeks. And he came back for the first cut of game. He was absolutely awful. He was. And, and he Brown, went, Brownie being a centre half as well would Brownie have been. Brownie being a centre half, he went, Are you sure? I went, Just trust me. And after three or four weeks, games, he went, You're right. He was one of those that if he missed games, he looked, it took him a long time to get going yeah. again. Needed, Some players needed like to that. be in, in that rhythm. I guarantee, I'm not saying he would, but if he had 10 games out of the first team now and came back, I've written the first two games, he'd be awful. Sorry, Lewis. <laughs> but he would. But, you know, he was like that that player, but, you know, he just had something about him, his attitude, he wanted to be a winner. And again, that was a good group because the boys he was playing with, they all played for Brighton schools, under 11, and went through because then they could play for their schools or their district. And they were one big group and also they got to a stage where they went this is it now we've got to forget that and concentrating on our our Brighton careers The official Brighton and Hove Albion podcast So I, I haven't written a list down but have you got a list in your mind of who you've helped bring through? Yeah probably yeah <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a big test because it's a long list isn't it? It is it its and there's some long you know there's boys that you've you mentioned, you go, he played 30 games. Sam Rents played 30 games in the first team. Sam Rents is one that when I joined the first team, left back, yeah. lovely left foot, I couldn't believe that Sam didn't go on to better things. No. Again, I mean, it's possibly different managers coming in. Opinions. Bringing different players in from different areas of the pitch and that. But also you go, he played 30 games. You know, Scott Ramsey was here when my, me and Dean first came. He played 30 games. Chris McPhee from Hastings. Kick one. Was with Dean Hammond at the same time. You know, you know, you, you think, when you look at it and you go, they played those games. Because, again, the club needed those sort of players for that period of time and they cope with it. So important. You know, you're playing, you're playing in, Div two, in Div 2. You know, it's not an easy, <laughs> easy league to play in. No. And no, then it's into not. Div 1. Come then, you know, keep, keep going with the list. Oh, it's, 
There's Dean Ammons. Bergs. Bergs. Well, Bergs is a, he was at Ardenlite College. Yeah. Um, and saw him play for Ardenlite, so I did a little bit of coaching for them because we used to play our Sunday games there, so that was part of the deal. We could play there for nothing okay. if I did a Thursday, Thursday afternoon. And I tried to persuade him to come with his, with his late dad, and they went, no, my mum wanted to carry on education. And my son, Danny, was manager at Selsey at the time. So I went, I've got to try and, pers- how can I persuade him that this is what he needs to be doing? I understand his schoolwork. So sign him for Selsey. You had to persuade him to come to the club. No, let me, let me finish. <laughs> started. He was at school when he wanted to finish his education. I don't wanted him out there. So I got him to play. So sorry, is this, is this like sixth form? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So then he was probably, he was what, under 17. He'd have been like first year. And I managed to get him to sign for Selsey with my summer's manager. And I, sometimes midweek he'd play and I'd stay at my house and I'd take him out to college next morning. But he was in that little bit of environment. And after a while he went, he used to come in with him and said, no, we want to. Because it's, it's a very different environment, yeah. isn't it? We want to leave now. We want to. We think it's right to, to come in. I didn't like college it, to sell. There was a couple of games where Adam played as well. Both together? Yeah, the played men's football, yeah. A couple of games Before together. they came here? Yeah. Well, I think Adam was probably already here. But then but there's a schoolboy in that. But, but it was just like persuading people, you know. I couldn't go, no, you're not coming off. I'm going to forget you. There was, some, there was something there I needed to get. knew there was something there. And how could I get him to get into our environment? So get him in a football environment, even though it's non-league, with my son and I was talking about football and that. And just lucky his dad and himself came and spoke to us and we and we signed him, signed him pro. Dan Harding? Dan Harding. I think he made his debut at Watford. Um, quality player. You know, he's went on to have a really good career. Yeah, another one. He's you know, you look at the clubs he's been to and and what he's done. Um you know, Adam as well, he's well, I got, well, I did get the manager's job. My first game was at Burnley. I would, that that was in my list of questions. Burnley and <laughs> we played that game and we had one player. That's how the club has changed. We had one player that played in the championship that started that game. Who? Robbie Pethick, who was at Portsmouth and came here. Lovely lad, Robbie, you know. End up playing in centre half that day with Adam. That must have been a big decision for you. New, new manager, you're always going to get criticised to a certain extent for putting a family member in, but you must have felt it was the right time for Adam. It was either him or Adam Virgo were going to play. Oh, you made the right decision. <laughs> 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 and I, you know, funny you say that because we had a little bit of a practice match on the Thursday and Virgo's had a nightmare. And that made my mind up. You know, you're playing. And it was the right decision? Yeah. Got me MOM? Yeah, played up so well. We won the game 3-1. I should have packed up then as manager. Got a draw next game? All right, yes, at home. Nil-nil. And of course, oh, you had that, 10 that, minutes. That was the two positives. Yeah. And then, that, <laughs> then, <laughs> and then for Andy Naylor, the rest of the time, I was making his headlines. Yeah. Four, de- four defeats in a row, five, six, seven. But I wouldn't change that. Why? If because it it's today, who you are. If it happened today, let's go there as manager... Just got promotion, only six weeks to go. We've got no more money to buy players. Would you take the manager's job? Yes. Because as a coach, that's what you want to do. You want to stretch yourself. And I would never change what I did in those times. If I'd probably signed a player on loan from Arsenal at the time, I might have kept my job for another couple of weeks 
was his name? Mr. Sidwell. <laughs> Steve. Yeah. You know, Dick, like Steve and that, and Arsenal with Liam and that. And I went, so I was protective, not protective, but I said, no, we're not gonna, I'm not going to take him. So I gave Dean Hammond his debut instead. Now, Steve did come to the club, don't we? He did great for the club when he came, but that time I believed in Dean. And over the years, he, he proved me right. Yeah, he did indeed. You know, I can remember his debut at Ipswich in the League Cup, and we got beat 3 1, he scored. And I get Maddox and Ken the, Ken, Ken the Kitman after that going, Yeah, we just lost 3 1. Yeah, but we had Dean Hammond, the first goal scorer at something silly price. But that's, that, knew him. but that's what it meant to have local lads succeeding yeah. at the club. I, I, to probably have a in coaching nowadays is, you know, I'm doing scouting, that coaches are protective of the players that are already in the club. So if no one comes in from the outside, you're a bit wary of them. Do you understand what I mean? Unless you've brought them in or not? No, if, if, I'm, a, if I'm coaching the under-18s okay. at West Ham, and it's my team, and the scout comes in with another player to come in, I'm going, ooh, I'm not sure about him because I've got... A nice you, balance. You're protected by your, your group you've already got. And it's, that's wrong, really, because a boy should come in and if he's good enough, he should carry on. But I just felt that Dean would be able to do what I wanted him to do, as well as Steve could have done. At that time. Mm. So as, as someone that's managed academy, non-league and professional levels... How does it change, or are the basics always the same? They're all the same. The basics, the... just the egos get bigger. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the money gets bigger, doesn't it? As it goes up <laughs> the game hasn't changed. You know, I look at games now. I don't know what a, a goal is anymore. I don't know what offside is. I haven't got a clue what handball is. I haven't got a clue what marking in the boxes from corners when the ball's there and they're looking at their mum in the other side of the pitch. You know, the game's the game has changed. Get me wrong, but. There's one ball, there's two goals, 11 v 11. That hasn't changed. Do you think sometimes we overcomplicate it? Yeah, they say, I think they do. A manager coming out here, the gaffer here, is, he's been magnificent since he's come in. And I watched it on telly and they're playing that on and going, woo, woo. <laughs> when they played I saw them, um, out in America, yeah. I think they played Brentford. And Jack played and they were, oh, they're... First 10 minutes, they lost the ball. All of a sudden, they've hit the one from the keeper and the boys got in and scored. But sometimes I go, I want, you know, I still try and coach, I coach now, but I want teams to play. That's the way to play. But play in the right areas. You know, you know and, but sometimes I go, woo. So perhaps it's best I'm not coaching at this level now. I suppose it's the risk and reward, isn't it? And if- yeah, of course it is. And it's no use supporters moaning about or on the radio, people going, well, they gave a goal away because of this, this and that. They do it every week. That's the way the game is now. They used to moan when we sat in two banks of four. (laughs) (laughs) So you can't keep them happy. Or Peter Tate to go, two banks of four, but I don't mind a five. (laughs) (laughs) I remember when you took interim charge, I was involved in the first team and I can remember you, I think I was probably playing second fiddle to Liam Dickinson at the time. And I wasn't in a great place. And I remember you believing in me. You instantly gave me confidence. And we went away to Wickham and we won. And I got two. 
We drew four all. Did we draw four? Yeah. I was happy. I'm not going to lie. Again, it's a thing where you, you chuck, I was doing the job I was doing, but I used to watch the first team at home. And you could be a moody sounds so Back then? No, I got better with age. Be, I know, let's be honest, no. <laughs> it wasn't going quite right. You, you know, you, you, but it's, it's believing what you think players are, are good at and what they need sometimes. It's quite funny because on the Sunday morning, I got a phone call to say, would you take over? We've just sat, is it Russell Slade, I think it was. Was it Slade, yeah. And that morning, I was taking the under-9s up at the uni, and I'm tying kids' boot sucks. That's some change of pace, isn't it? Was it was freezing cold, and the kids' places are undone, and I'm walking across pitch, the main pitch, and the phone goes, and it's it, can you take over Monday? And that's, that's what it was. So we go in on Monday, and I just said, no, this, this is what I'm going to play. And, and I just felt that you needed that little bit, like, phew, somebody believes in me. Yeah. You know, I did. Steve Brown was youth team coach and he went, no, don't do it. That was, you know, <laughs> yeah. He went, that was brave. I mean, it's not brave. It's just, I've seen, seen enough of him. I haven't just walked in the door. I've been here years. I said, he just needs that little bit of confidence. So we ended up drawing the game four at Wickham and then Gus came in the following, the following week for the replay, I think it was. And we beat him six or something. So you went from tying under nine's boots yeah. to uh, looking after adults that acted like nine-year-olds. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. But no, it was just, that, that was it. You just got on with it. You know, I didn't want to take the under nines because there's certain people who can take those sort of groups, coaches. You know, I love coaching. But, you have a lot of patience. Oh, don't take me eights, nines and tens. No, please, you know. Um, but we have people that come down and we're really patient. But that's how the game can just change from one minute to the other that, you're doing that on a Sunday morning, and Monday morning you're, you're preparing for an FA Cup game. That's incredible. The best, the best competition in the, in the world. That is incredible. Yeah. And I suppose a similar rise as, as your your rise from from uh, under nines to the first team there <laughs> is a certain Mr. Inchwood who's just uh, just hit the first team at the moment. Yeah, he's really pleased him. No, not just because he's he is family, yes, but he's such a good kid. You know. Um, and he, he loves the game. He thinks about the game. He's been brought up in that environment where football's always been around him. Um, and it's great, really, because Adam, I think, could have been one hell of a player. Injuries. Yeah. He had, did his crew shirt. Played 100 games. He kept coming back for it, but he knew it was the end. But I think this is, he's, I've never really spoken to him. I think he's making up for his dad a little bit as well, what he missed out of. And now his dad can enjoy it by watching his son play. But like Jack's always been in football. You know, when he was eight or nine, he was always with, his, with Adam in dressing rooms and County League at Selsey, at Hastings, Burgess. So he was always there on the pitch as well. And I suppose that takes away from a little bit of anxiety from young lads who are going into situations that they probably don't know how to handle or are unaware of before yeah. they get there. Whereas Jack, like you say, has always been brought up in, the, in that environment. So... Every step of the way, he's more or less felt comfortable. Yeah. You know, and he'll be told the truth. Well, at home he will, definitely. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> you know, I'm not, I'm not saying coaches now change that, but, you know, it's a bit, well, never mind, unlucky, but but Adam will say what he thinks, you know, and he'll ask opinions of people. And has, he ever, has, has Jack ever been sat down and sort of, not taught the family history because he'll know about his great granddad yeah. and everything like that. But has he, 
has anyone said like this is this is this is the story of the Hinchelwoods? No, I think he just knows it. You know, whether you sat down with Adam, I don't know, but it's just it's just the environment we've, we've been brought up in. You know, we live in Selsey. He moved to Selsey. My, my family were in Selsey. They're all together with Adam and Adam, things like that. And just football's football's the first love for the whole family. Don't tell the wife that weird. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, one one thing that does strike me about Jack is his attitude. I was speaking to to um, to a certain first teamer over in the state in the summer, and I asked him a question. I, I said. He just joined. I said, who have you been most impressed with um, during your time at the club? And I mean, there's a long list of, of young talent at the football club at the moment. I expected him to say, you Jao Pedro, you're in Cecil's, Mitomas, take your pick. And he said, Jack Hinchelwood. And that that knocked me sideways a little <laughs> bit because he's got, he's got a, a big pool of talent Certainly, to pick yeah. from. And I thought, wow, he must be the real deal. If if people of of, of this player's stature are, are noticing and realising how good he's done, this is before he's made a first team appearance. I was like, wow. Mm. I, I remember speaking to Adam about him. He was a little bit frustrated because some of his friends were going out on loan, you know, and learned. But this is where you've got to be, the hub of it, you know, and. I think he played last season under-18s. He played the first six games. And then, then they said, he's not going to play on youth team anymore because they've seen enough around the corner that he needs to be around there. And he'll... he'll I always say there's three hours in football. You look, you listen, you learn. And he's certainly done that. And with this manager here now, you have to do that. Yeah, you have to look what they're doing. You have to listen what they're saying. And you've got to learn because if you don't learn, you're not going to be there. Well, he certainly is learning and yeah. he's certainly listening because... By trade, he's a centre midfielder, isn't yeah. he? And he's been dropped in at fullback yeah. in, in the best league in the world. Yeah, but, but 13 and 14, he was a centre half. He plays at the back then. I think, well, was he going to be big enough? Because they all go, he's, he's not big enough to be a centre half in that. But He was a bit more mobile than his dad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't take his eyes. <laughs> but no, but he, you know, he's, he's quite, he's comfortable playing. He's learned about the game, playing in different areas of the pitch. And he's not, he won't be frightened to talk to people and ask them. You again, know. again, that goes back to that environment, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. You know, it's just, if it's in your blood, it's in your blood, but it's, you still, it's still got to come out and you're the one that sort of go across that white line and perform and be able to cope with it. And nowadays, phew, Athens, why? You cope with that. You know, and that, but he did. And, you know, he's, I've heard him kind of interviews and he's not 18 talking, you know, he's... he's he is, but he's, you know, some of these older heads on it. But he just wants to be part of it. And people say to me, oh, is he better in that? I said, yeah, yeah. But at the moment, he's in the side. And if you're a young kid and your manager tells you to play wide left or right back or whatever, you'll do it. Because sooner or later, you'll get that position and go, bang, that's me now. I mean, when you joined the club, what year was it? The second time. <laughs> first time the first time was uh, 1987 so if someone sat you down in 1987 <laughs> and said one of your family members will be playing in the Europa League for Brighton come 2023 I don't think you'd quite believe them would no, you I think you've been down the road and a couple of drinks <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's, that's the beauty of the game you don't know what's going to happen you know and you've got to enjoy it you know unfortunately I had to pack up through a knee injury Adam did. My brother, God rest his soul, didn't. 
You know, he played 500, 600 league games. You know, so sometimes you, you dealt the wrong deck of cards and you, your career's finished before you started. So it's important that you, you really grab it and enjoy it when you can. I know that now, but trying to tell me that while I was in it <laughs> is the most difficult thing. To, te- to tell a young man that it doesn't last long, no. it, they don't seem to be able to comprehend it. But that day you can't play anymore, all of a sudden it all falls oh. into place. Yeah. I remember when I first, when I, they told me I was packing up, me and the physio at Palace, we were up in London, we went to Victoria, and I think in an hour we were both absolutely legless. You know, because it, it just hit me, you know, and I just didn't know what to do. And you, we just got drunk. <laughs> Did you? Yeah. And then next day you got to go, what do I do now? I've got to get on with life. I've got a family, I've got kids. And luckily I've, touch wood, you know, I've been able to, enjoy my life and have a decent career as coaching and, and scouting. I suppose it all goes back to that year when you worked for the club, didn't get paid, <laughs> but you kept that relationship alive yeah. for the rest of your family to enjoy this success. Yeah, yeah but I'd left, um, I left and I went to Portsmouth. Jim Smith was manager at Portsmouth and I got a reserve team job there and they wanted to watch a player play at Brighton. Oh, you're right going back there. Well, of course I am. It's that's part of the game. I'm not going to have the um because you want me to go there. You know, they made the decision. You get on with it. I'm at Portsmouth now, enjoying enjoying career here now. So you know you can't be bitter about what happens to you. You just got to get on with life. Sit in a corner and mope. What's that going to do? Not much. Not you know, much. it's like. It's quite funny, like how players are looked after now, the PFA, what they do. You know, I packed up at 26, got a letter saying you do your benefit money, 450 quid, but you can't get it till you're 35. There's no pension schemes then. I couldn't open a wine bar on 450 quid, not even those days. <laughs> you could spend might, it in there though. Hey, I might drink it. Um, but that was, that was it. You know, if I felt sorry for some of my wife, just said, come and get on with it. I ended up working in, for a period selling sweets in Palm and Harvey, they were called, for a couple of years. I had three years out of the game um, after I left Palace. And, but ever since then, I've, I think I've nicked a living. I don't know about that. I don't know about <laughs> nicking a living, mate. I think... You do, you know. You, if it was about money, I wouldn't be doing it on some of the jobs I've taken. But it's just being in that environment. You know, you must, like yourself, come... When you come into the training ground, you go, this is all about. Yeah. This is really the one place you really miss is going to the training ground, going in the dressing room, seeing people around the club. Yeah, I do. You know, that's that's what I, and I'm, well, I'm part-time now, but I do love coming in here. Does that keep you young? Yeah, it tries to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it just makes me feel good. And I come and see people now like yourself, still people here, Paul and that, there's still people here, Gary Dicker now, Crofty. You see them and they're, oh, how are you? You're right. And they're, they're good people. But it's just nice to come in. This is the environment you want to be in every day. If you pack up playing, next best thing is coaching or getting something in the football club. Careful, Inch. Talking like that, you'll have me back involved. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, my, my last question for you is, I, I think I might know the answer to this, but I want to know what your highlight of the year has been for Brighton Hove Albion. Yeah, everybody's going to say about Jack which we're really, really proud. Um, 
him making his debut, been another generation of Hinchelwoods, and hopefully there'll be one or two others to come along. Um, so that's a family thing that I'm really proud of. And but I think the club itself, from where it was, the whole work that's done and getting into Europe, um, a stadium which is worthy of, of the players now, I think that's really great. They're the back in there is somewhere they never thought they would ever be. And long may it continue. Well, all I can say, Martin, is thank you for joining us. It's been excellent to hear about the club from your unique perspective, your insight on Young Jack and your constant desire to do right by Brighton Hove Albion. Thank you. Paul, I hope you enjoyed that. I thought there's some great anecdotes in there about football and more importantly, family. But I suppose for him, the two merge seamlessly. Thank you for listening. The official Brighton and Hove Albion podcast. This podcast is a VoiceWorks Sport production for Brighton and Hove Albion. Sports Social Podcast Network.